This is Messages from the Middle. I'm Wendy Parrish. This is episode number 12. Shame, shame, I know your name. In this episode, I talk about what I believe to be one of the biggest stumbling blocks to healing our mental health, and that is shame. And that's about all I have to say in the intro because there's so much information coming up in the episode. So let's get to it. Have you noticed that people don't usually share their struggles until they're over? It's not until they've defeated their dragon and marched victoriously home that they share their story. Well, I'm not one of those people. My name is Wendy Parrish, and I am in the middle of my story. From the middle, I've learned a few things, and I would like to bring you into my story. This is the good, the struggle, the light, the dark, and the lessons learned. This is Messages from the Middle. Hello and welcome to Messages from the Middle. I hope everyone is having a good summer. Our summer really just started. My kids finished school on Friday. And even at that, our weather has been cold lately. We've been back into some cold weather, so that's just life living in Montana. So here we go. Um, before we get started, I just once again want to ask uh, my my same favor that I've asked every time. If you have a moment, if you could just leave a rating and review in iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast, that would be fantastic. And it would be so helpful if you could share this podcast with your friends, family, neighbors, anyone Um, I really am trying to start a conversation about mental health and opening up about how we should be talking about people that struggle with mental health the way we talk about really any other illness and be offering love and support in all the ways that we offer love and support to people that are struggling with other illnesses. So we just need to get the word out. Thank you so much in advance. Today, I want to talk about what I believe to be one of the biggest stumbling blocks to healing, and that is shame. Shame is a normal emotion. We all feel it at some point in our lives. It's what we do to get out of shame, to deal with it, that is the difference between moving forward towards healing or being stuck, or worse, caught in a vortex that continually pulls you farther and farther away from healing and becoming your authentic self. Shame has limited my progression and is something I battle every day. Last year, my husband and I realized that a drastic step needed to be taken for my mental health. I'd recently listened to a podcast that had talked about how full-time therapy and work was the most effective way to recover from depression. I was in such a dark place that I felt like the best thing I could do for my family was to get better as soon as possible. I considered myself weak and believed that I was hopeless and I was fundamentally broken. We spoke to a director of a treatment center and explained my mental health at the time. She told us that there was hope for me and I needed to get down to her facility as soon as possible so they could start to help me. For the first time in a long time, I felt hope. We were taking steps for me to get better. Within a week, I'd packed up my car and made the drive to the residential center where I spent the better part of my summer. I really had no idea what to expect, but what I experienced when I got there threw me for a loop. The first three weeks were so hard. I really don't know what I expected, but this was not it. 
On day one, I realized I didn't belong. That very, very first day, everyone was asking me why I was there, and I didn't know what to say. I kept it vague and brief. And then people started to share with me why they were there, and I felt so small. I was the wrong kind of person. Things got worse on the first day of group. The group activity that day was to write 10 of our most painful memories. I wrote out moments from my life that stuck out to me as painful and that had affected my mental health up to that point. I had no idea that we were then going to be asked to read them out loud to the group. Part of work in group therapy is being open and sharing and vulnerable. You share it all, no holding back. After listening to everyone else share their big T traumas, I realized I would not share. I could not share. I had to keep my mouth shut. There was no way I was going to share my champagne problems with this group. I sat there trying to make myself smaller, and I felt like Michael Bluth saying, I've made a terrible mistake. However, I was also keenly aware of the state of my mental health. I could not go home. I knew that I needed serious help and I didn't know where else to be or what else to do. But how could I be in this facility knowing that I didn't belong? I was buried in shame. I kept saying over and over, everyone here needs to be here because the world dealt them a terrible hand. They are strong and amazing and doing the work to overcome. I did this to myself. I was weak sauce. It was my weak constitution that created my brokenness. There was no one to blame but me. I'd had great parents, a great childhood, a loving, kind husband. I'd lived so many of my dreams, and yet I was in the dark, cold pit of depression and hopelessness. So I made a decision. I would stay, but I would never talk and I would never share. I'd go to group therapy and I'd take what I could from the experience, but I would never speak. And if you know me, you know that's very unlike me. I'm a talker. I don't want to be. I want to be that quiet, mysterious person, but words just kind of spill out of my mouth without my consent all the time. I also really struggle with uncomfortable silences and feel like it's my job to fill them if no one else is willing to talk. It's like I owe it to whoever is in charge, the presenter, to help them along by filling that awkward silence. But in this case, I did it and I was committed. For days, I said nothing. I sat there clenching my jaw, fighting back tears. When asked to speak by one of the therapists, I said the very least I could possibly say and zipped it. Strangely, therapists are really good at sensing the energy and emotional state of the people they are there to work with. It's almost like it's their job. It didn't take long for me to get called out. Even then, I was determined not to share. The conversation went something like, therapist, what's going on with you? Me, nothing. Therapist, I don't think so, because first of all, you wouldn't be here if there was nothing going on, and second, you look very, very angry right now. So what's going on? It went back and forth like that for a while, and finally, in deep shame and anger, I opened my mouth, and I told her I shouldn't be there. With the life I'd been gifted, I should be happy. I should be better. I shouldn't be praying for death. 
I did this to myself. My depression was all my own fault. I refused to share because I was taking away from the people in the group who deserved healing and to get better and move on and just, I just needed to do my time and learn what I could and then go home and get over myself and move on. I was buried in shame, wearing shame clothing covered in shame sauce. I did not deserve to heal because I was the problem. I was broken. I was doing this to myself. The therapist said to me in as ways as she could that day, so you don't deserve to heal because it's your own fault? Hearing the question and saying it right now makes the shame sound silly, but I was a firm believer in my shame. Yes, I said, because I shouldn't be hurting. I should be whole. I shouldn't be here. And around and around we went. People in the group tried to help me by comparing my situation to different pain tolerances or strength training, which is something I understand. Even alcohol tolerance to my situation. This did not help. It just reinforced my weak sauce belief. Nothing helped. All the gremlins in my brain kept saying, this is just more proof that I'm broken. I did this to myself. I'm weak. There's no hope for me. I lived in this shame spiral for three weeks until one day in group, I decided to participate. It was Family Quest weekend. That's a weekend where everyone's family comes down and for two days, we do a big family group therapy session. Since I came from the farthest away, my family wasn't able to come. One of the activities we were asked to create what's called a living sculpture of our family to demonstrate our family dynamic. Basically what you would do is take people from the group and have them represent someone in your family and have them stand the way they would stand or pretend to be holding something that is meaningful to them so that people understood who your family is. Since I didn't have family there and there was a long awkward silence, I figured, what can it hurt? I'll share my family, tell everyone my kids' names and ages and sit down. And that's not what happened. The therapist running the group went for my most vulnerable and painful points as he asked me about my sculpture. And then he had me rebuild it and build it a different way and rebuild it and rebuild it until he had just torn down the beautiful picture that I had tried to create with my sculpture. So there I was in front of my housemates and their families with the mask completely taken off. The mask that I had worn for the past three weeks was gone. It was that dream where all of my teeth fall out when I'm speaking in public or I'm thrust onto stage to do a performance that I didn't learn any of the lines or the songs for. I felt so vulnerable. And that was the tipping point. That was when everything changed for me. Everyone there told me later how proud they were that I was finally willing to open up and share. They understood me and no one hated me for my self-called champagne problems. In fact, many people there found my story relatable. I'd been hiding in shame, therefore limiting my own healing and progress. Mental illness is not logical. It doesn't just affect those with extremely difficult lives. If we get cancer or gallbladder disease, we don't say, I don't deserve treatment, I'm just weak. We can't help feeling guilt and shame, but we should challenge the basis or cause of it. Being ill should not cause us shame and embarrassment in seeking treatment. Vulnerability is the way out of shame. I had to share my story authentically in order to get out of shame and begin healing. 
By planning to sit silently during my time in treatment, I was basically hoping to go to the gym and watch people lift weights and expect to gain muscle myself. Let's go a little deeper into shame. What is it? Why is shame so powerful? And why is it such a huge barrier to our healing? Shame is, in a nutshell, fear of being unlovable. We are all genetically wired for love and connection and belonging. Love is not a luxury, it's a necessity. Fear of being unlovable is scary on an anthropological level. Shame's power comes from that fear. When we fear being unlovable, we either move away from people by hiding and isolating and keeping secrets, hoping no one will notice what's wrong with us, or we move towards the fear by appeasing people and pleasing people, trying to earn love, or we move against it by being aggressive and seeking to gain power over others. All of these strategies move us away from who we are really meant to be. Shame is about fear, blame, and disconnection, which is opposite of what we're striving for, and that's connection, love, and worthiness. Shame demonstrates who you believe you are as opposed to guilt that's related to what you did. Guilt is, I did something wrong, motivating you to do better next time or remedy the situation. Shame is... I am wrong, motivating you to hide, isolate, blame, appease, deny fault, or blame. If you are isolating, hiding, and keeping secrets, shame may stop a person with mental health issues from seeking help. This is one of the reasons why suicide among men is more prevalent. Society has a pervasive myth that men have to be unfeeling to be strong, and asking for help is a sign of weakness. Men are less likely to reach out for help in a mental health crisis. Perfectionism is also a shame behavior that prevents a person from getting the help they need. In an effort to appear perfect, they don't ask for help and hide from anyone whom they may have to appear vulnerable. Shame can keep you from being open with your therapist or loved ones who are there to help. The only way out is brick by brick. You have to tear down that shame wall that will keep you from healing. You don't need to put up a public Facebook post telling your whole story and asking for help to the whole world. You don't need everyone to know what's going on in your life, but you do need one or two people or maybe a handful of people that you can open up to and be open and honest and embracing who you are and where you are. When all you want to do is hide and isolate, that's when you need to reach out to someone. That person who you reach out to loves and knows the whole imperfect you more than you even realize. Going into treatment meant letting my entire family and my husband's entire family know what was going on in my life. I was terrified. But I knew based on the help that we needed, there was no other way. And guess what? The craziest thing happened. Our families didn't turn away from us. They opened their arms and loved us. Probably more than ever. When you are living in shame, you're more likely to suppress your emotions. Suppressing emotions leads to depression, anxiety, addiction, and a whole host of other unhealthy things. We as humans especially like to buffer away emotions we don't want to feel. Drugs, alcohol, porn, and smoking are usually what we think of when we think of someone using something to avoid emotions, but anything fits in this category. Food, shopping, TV, 
video games, even reading, and it hurts me to say that. Anything done to avoid emotion will lead to some form of unhealthy coping. You may not end up on heroin and homeless, but too much TV watching can keep you from working towards what you really want in life and lead to depression and feelings of failure and worthlessness. Now that I've talked about the negatives of shame, let's talk about some ways to get out of shame. I want to start by saying that shame is normal. We all feel it. It's holding on to it and not allowing yourself to move through it and accept that you are lovable and worthy just as you are that creates the problems. I've already mentioned the importance of reaching out to someone, but I'll say it again. Find your people, the people that you can talk to and share how you're feeling. You may even be surprised to find that your people may say something like, I'm so glad you told me this. I thought it was just me. Also, that person who knows you, warts and all, will know what to say and how to help you work through your shame trap. Do you shrink and isolate, appease and people please, or insult and belittle others when you feel trapped in shame? They can help you see where your tendency is and how you can react better from a place of love and compassion. You can also try moving out of your head and into the open. Shame thrives and grows in the dark. Open up to someone, create art, write about it. Find ways to get what has you buried in shame out of your head in some way. I'm not an artist, but my sister is. And lately, I've found that creating art when I'm dealing with a thought or a feeling that's hard to process has been incredibly helpful. Another way to move through shame is to develop self-compassion. Sounds easy, right? Just kidding. (laughs) I think that one sounds pretty hard to everyone. This one's pretty darn hard for people who feel like the earth might tip off its axis if you stop hating yourself. Here are a few ways to start thinking about self-love and compassion. Speak to yourself the way you would speak to others. If your friend experienced what they felt was a failure, you would never say to them, Yes, you are a total failure. Nothing you ever do works out. Oh, and by the way, you're ugly and no one loves you, right? But can I again get another raise of hands for how many of you do something like that when you experience something that you consider a failure? Talk to yourself the way you would a friend or even more delicate, a child. Treat yourself with the love and kindness that you offer to the most vulnerable people in your life. Another strategy that I've used is to think of myself and try to see myself the way the person I know loves me the most sees me. That made sense, right? See me the way the person I know loves me sees me? When I really want to hate on myself, I try to see myself the way my husband does. When developing self-compassion, it also helps to consider that suffering and feelings of inadequacy are part of the shared human experience everyone goes through it. Everyone on this earth has experienced feelings of not enough, weak, or broken. You are not alone, and we can all rise together. Another way to challenge shame is to take a small risk. Attempt something new that might end in failure. Do something that's difficult. You will either succeed and find hope that you can do more than you thought, or you might fail and realize that failure isn't the end of the world. Either way, you can notice that you are still you, and you are still lovable and worthy no matter how your little risk turned out. At the beginning of the school year, my daughter and I decided to try something new together. We started tennis lessons. 
It's been nine months, and we are still working on those ground strokes every lesson. We are yet to engage in any kind of game, and yet we love it. It's been so much fun trying something out of both of our comfort zones. Since it's so new and we've been doing it together, there's no failure or really even wins. It's just us learning a little more every lesson and getting a little bit better and sometimes worse every time we play. I love how trying something so new and different moved both of us out of self-judgment and into just enjoying something fun just for us. Sometimes the little things can move you a mile when you're moving out of shame. Today, give yourself credit for what went right. Keep score on the good. This also goes along with a gratitude practice. The negatives are so much easier to see when shame is your constant companion. Every time you show yourself a little compassion, that shame monster will shrink just a little bit more. In shame, we keep ourselves from love, connection, and compassion. Shame limits our healing. Everyone deserves to heal. Everyone deserves love, connection, and compassion. Everyone is worthy of love, acceptance, and belonging. Thank you so much for joining me today. It means so much to me that you would take some time out of your day to listen to me. And once again, I want to remind you that you are loved no matter who you are or where you are in your story. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me in the middle of my story. My theme music is White Linen by Asher Child. He's my kid. You can find all of his amazing music on all streaming platforms. And you know, it just wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't ask you to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. But seriously, it would really mean so much to me if you did. Thank you so much and see you next time.